Welcome to the Congo Research Group podcast. My name is Jason Stearns. I'm the director of the Congo Research Group. Um, we are a nonprofit research institution based at New York University Center on International Cooperation, and we carry out in-depth investigations of conflict dynamics in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And today, I'm very happy to be welcomed by my friend and colleague Ida Sawyer, who is a senior researcher for Human Rights Watch on the DRC. She joins me from Kinshasa. Hi, Ida. Hi, Jason. So uh, we cannot avoid talking about the topic that's on everybody's minds. Just a couple of hours ago, we the, the prosecutor general in the Congo made a document public suggesting that there is an arrest warrant out for Moise Katumbi. Could you tell us what exactly is, what exactly that statement was, what the status, his legal status or situation is at the moment and what you think that means? So on May 4th, Congo's justice minister announced an investigation into Katumbi for his alleged recruitment of mercenaries. And this followed the April 24th uh, demonstrations across the country in Lubumbashi, where Katumbi was due to speak. The uh, demonstration was not allowed to happen. Police blocked it from going forward, firing tear gas on Katumbi and his supporters. And they also arrested a number of those close to Katumbi, including several of his security guards and an American who uh, was a security advisor for Katumbi. Uh, the American and other security uh, guards for Katumbi are still in detention. They've been transferred to Kinshasa to the National Intelligence Agency. So following these arrests, um, the government seemed to you know, use the fact that he had an American security advisor to make these broader accusations that he's been uh, involved in the recruitment of mercenaries, which in our analysis seems to be very politically motivated allegations. Um, so wait, just to stop then, you on that issue, then, just because I think it's an important yeah. issue, why, and that's in Human Rights Watch put out a statement in this regard, and so has the U.S. Embassy, I think, in terms of just saying that that this is, a, I, I can't remember the exact language, but basically denying that there were American mercenaries traveling in the country or working for Katumbi. On what basis, I mean, I also, I share the analysis, this seems to be extremely far-fetched. Uh, the government at one point said that over 600 Americans um, have been in Katanga, and it wasn't clear whether they were saying working for Katumbi as mercenaries or just tourists or mining workers or what they meant, but that several dozen mercenaries uh, may have been recruited by Katumbi, on what basis do you think that this is politically motivated? So this comes in the context of the broader crackdown that we've seen over the past year and a half against uh, activists and opposition leaders who have spoken out against attempts to extend President Kabila's term in power beyond uh, the end of his constitutionally mandated two-term limit, which ends at the end of this year. So we've seen dozens of arrests, uh, lots of demonstrations, brutally repressed by security forces. And more recently, we've seen more focus on Katumbi and those around him, as it seems you know, he's, he's now announced publicly his candidacy as a president. And it seems that the government is particularly worried about him as a real political opponent. And they're, they're trying to uh, silence him and um, scare those around him by, you know, through arrest and other forms of intimidation. So this investigation comes in that context. Um, and so far, as I mentioned before, they, they arrested the, the American security advisor. Uh, Katumbi has, has said clearly that he, there were threats against him and his family uh, since he left Kabila's political party and joined the opposition in September. 
and he felt like he needed more security since he's no longer a governor. The government took away the police uh, that had been uh, deployed for his protection while he was governor. So he beefed up his security, hired some American security advisors. Uh, so far, the government has just you know, arrested this one individual, and we haven't seen any credible evidence indicating right. that there's larger scale recruitment of mercenaries. Yeah, and it seems to be slightly crazy that could somebody would be trying to launch a rebellion or a coup or something like that, which is, I guess, sort of the implication uh, into this. So anyway, I interrupted you. Were so they they arrested these people. They've they've they launched this investigation on the fourth of May, and then uh, obviously I think starting in the 9th of May, he was then asked to come and testify in court on three occasions. Is that right? Right. So last week, um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, Katumbi was called in for questioning at the prosecutor's office in Lubumbashi regarding these allegations that he's involved in recruitment of mercenaries. And each of the three days, Katumbi went to the, the Palais de la Justice, uh, dressed all in white, accompanied by hundreds or thousands of supporters, uh, other opposition leaders and his family members. And the you know, each time, lots of media attention around these hearings and police also heavily deployed around the prosecutor's office and attempted to block supporters from getting close to the Palais de la Justice. Uh, several people were arrested, including on Monday, the first day of the questioning, uh, a man named Robo, who's the, the lead mobilizer for supporters of Katumbi's soccer team, Mazembe was arrested uh, on Wednesday. Again, people, police forcibly tried to block supporters from going towards the prosecutor's office. Danny Bonza, who's a G7 leader and a member of parliament, was roughed up by the police when he was trying to enter the, the Palais de la Justice. Police tore his shirt and prevented him from moving forward. And then on Friday, uh, even heavier security deployment blocking supporters from moving forward and uh, the police fired tear gas and allegedly threw rocks towards Katumbi and his supporters. Uh, Katumbi's older brother was badly injured. You by say a allegedly, yeah, there's, 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 there's video footage out there that seems, I'm not, I don't know how you see it, I'm sure you've seen the same footage I have, but it seems pretty clear to me that the police were actually throwing rocks, or do you think that's in doubt? Uh, no, I think it's, it's, it's clear as well. It's clear, okay, uh, I just wanted to be that, sure. So police throwing rocks directly you know, at Katumbi and his supporters, uh, firing tear gas, his brother injured, and Katumbi himself, uh, when he was getting you know, closer to the Palais de la Justice, got out of his vehicle, tried to calm the situation, go by foot. Uh, he also was you know, grazed by a rock, roughed up, going towards the, the courthouse. He was questioned for about 30 or 40 minutes and then asked for the proceedings to be delayed uh, for, for health reasons and that he wasn't you know, feeling up to continuing with the questioning. So he was then hospitalized. He's still in the hospital in Lubumbashi and the proceedings have been indefinitely delayed since then. And then until today, there was no speculation about whether the government might want to kind of de-escalate by allowing a medical evacuation, allowing Katumbi to get out of the country, uh, or whether they would, you know, continue with the questioning. And then today we had the news that 
days, uh, issued the prosecutors issued a provisional arrest warrant for Katumbi, uh, and that he you know, could be arrested any time now. So this is the the big development that we're following. So now. if the the a provisional arrest warrant in Congolese law, does this mean, let's assume that he's not sick and that he's not going to be medically evacuated. If he was actually fit to stand trial, this means that he goes to jail awaiting trial. Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir, until the, the charges would need to be confirmed and then it would, it could in theory move to trial. So, and the confirming charges, is that usually just a, a perfunctory step? Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends. And, you know, technically uh, you're you know, not supposed to be held without charge for more than 48 hours, but uh, he could be held indefinitely um, until those right. charges are actually confirmed. Right. So it's, it's hard to predict how long that would take. So at the moment, I mean, it looks like we're sort of at a fork in the roads. Either the government is using the situation and this provisional arrest warrant to actually arrest Katumbi, actually put him into prison, probably remove him from Lubumbashi, which is where his support base is and where he, as you said, is able to mobilize thousands of people's and people in the streets, or they're actually weirdly trying to de-escalate the crisis by allowing him and actually forcing him to do a medical evacuation abroad, getting him out of the country, but also making sure that he doesn't come back into the country anytime soon because then he would have to go to go to jail and and stand trial. Right. So I think both both options are are possible now. I mean, the fact that they've issued an arrest warrant is in and of itself you know, es escalating the situation sure. and go going further than they have done against such a, a senior leading opposition figure. So it's, it's a big deal no matter yeah. what happens. Um, but given the fact that he is currently in the hospital, there is uh, a, a way out to avoid him going into jail. Either he could you know, remain, have to stay in the hospital in the Mubashi, they could allow him to return home and put him under house arrest, or they could allow for this medical evacuation where he would leave the country, and then you know, it might be difficult for him to come back without going straight to jail. Right. Interesting. Now, let's talk a little bit about the broader context. As you pointed out, this is part of a, a general trend of clampdown, crackdown on civil liberties across the country. It does strike me that you're right, however. This is, the, this is by far the most direct and most serious um, attack on an opposition member to the extent that you've had people like Martin Fayulu briefly detained. But I don't think, I can't remember in recent memory of a senior, such a senior opposition member being arrested, put in jail. I mean, you had people like uh, Ewanga who was, who was arrested and put in jail for, you know, again, under relatively dubious charges, and you had, um, I guess, several other opposition leaders, but neither of them were as senior, and neither, against none of them were the charges so serious. There was always charged some relatively banal charges of, uh, of misdemeanors or things that had nothing to do with politics. Am, am I right in that analysis? Uh, I think so. I mean, going, I think Chisichetti being put under house arrest after sure. the 2011 elections would be the most... Uh, similar, uh, uh, recent, you know, the most recent case of a uh, figure who's so senior. Uh, there was the judicial investigation into Vital Kameri uh, regarding the allegations of election fraud in 2011, and last year he was repeatedly uh, called in for hearings at the Supreme Court. They never actually arrested him, but similarly, this was the case was sort of hanging over him as... Uh, 
kind of a, a threat from the government that when you know if they wanted to act, act to arrest him, they had this this case that they couldn't move forward with. Um, but other than that, those who have actually been put in jail, there have been a number of opposition figures, uh, as you mentioned, Iwanga, also Ernest Keviru, Muyambo, uh, Vanoki Boko, and a number of others, but none quite as senior as Katumbi is. Right. Going forward, I know that Human Rights Watch has sort of been in the forefront uh, in calling for sanctions against senior Congolese um, officials, uh, especially with regards to the human rights abuses. Uh, in the context of elections, uh, do you think that th this step, let's assume that this is an escalation, I mean, it obviously looks like it's an escalation of sorts, what do you think the, the appropriate response will be, should be from, from donor countries, from the international community, but also from the Congolese civil society and opposition? I think it is time for the donor community to uh, back up their, their threats with actions. And we have seen the U.S. especially, but other, the U.K. and some European countries starting to use stronger language, warning of either possible targeted sanctions in the future or other consequences if the, the repression, the human rights abuses, and uh, continued you know, unwillingness to, to organize elections continues. Yeah. Uh, but so far, that hasn't really been backed up by actions. And we saw during the, the Liberation Day speeches uh, on Tuesday of this week with the PPRD, Kabila's political party, Secretary General making you know, strong statements and basically saying that they, you know, they aren't scared of of sanctions or the threats from the international community. And I think that if if these threats aren't followed by actions for too much longer, then then they aren't going to mean very much. Uh, so I, I do think it's important to send a strong signal um, that there are consequences for this type of repressive behavior and. Hopefully, that would help uh, deter future violence and repression. And, uh, and on that issue, uh, I mean, convince uh, President Kabila to also, you know, rein in some of the sorry, some of the, the hardliners around him. So on that issue, you know, the, the the pushback that you get from some diplomats is that oh, imposing sanctions is going to cause them to radicalize the government and not actually be, you know, give in on some of these points that you know on accelerating the electoral calendar, on holding elections as soon as possible, on opening up the political space. Are you not worried that sanctions? could have the opposite of the intended effect? I think there are there's stages that can be, and this can happen, can happen in, in stages, and I don't think it would make sense to start with sanctioning Kabila himself or his family or the, the real inner circle, um, but starting with officials, security force officers who have been responsible for the repression, the most violent extremist behavior, um, I think that could send a strong message now and help convince President Kabila to actually rein these guys in and hopefully uh, start moving on the path towards ending the repression and the violence and actually organizing elections. So what about, then this is my last question, what about the Congolese civil society and opposition? How do you think, I mean, the donors have a responsibility, as you've pointed out, Congolese civil society and opposition, to be frank, you know, they've also had a hard time. Uh, this is increasingly turning into uh, a tug of war between them and the government. Um, and the government, uh, despite its cynical manipulation and repression and arrest, kind of has the upper hand. The opposition has not been able to muster enough 
uh, mobilization in the streets that would really be able to constrain the Congolese government, at least not not in, in the last couple of months. Now, there is another demonstration uh, scheduled, I believe, for the 26th of May, so just in, uh, uh, in a few days' time. But what do you think the correct response will be from the Congolese opposition and civil society to these increasing, this increasing repression? Uh, I think that, you know, for them to be effective in their, in their calls for the repression to end, for elections to be organized, it's uh, important for them to be as unified as possible. And so far, they've, they've been, I think, hampered in their efforts by a lot of division and discussions about uh, deciding on a common single candidate and lack of agreement there. Um, this, the decision from the Constitutional Court last week saying that uh, Kabila effectively can stay in power uh, indefinitely until elections are organized, uh, I think, you know, could be a factor that unites them and mobilizes mm -hmm. uh, everybody who wants elections to happen on time. And this May 26 demonstration is, is supposed to be about that decision, protesting that decision. So I think that will be a real test for their ability to you know, look beyond their their personal differences and and try to coordinate and mobilize. So we'll we'll see how that how that turns out. Ida, thank you very much. I know that it's going to be a very busy day for both you and me, so I'll let you go. But thanks again for your, your timely and incisive, insightful analysis. Thanks, Jason. Bye.